0: This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with good landing recovery and you're listening to the comeback. Excited to be here today. I was thinking on the front end of this about treatment and whenever you say the word treatment that that means so many things to to so many people. You know, for example, you know, some of you that are that are listening today and I say the word drug and alcohol treatment, you may be thinking of a program that does a couple of groups in the morning or maybe a morning meditation and then the rest of the day is filled, you know, with with just doing backbreaking work or you know sitting out in front of some shopping center and you know raising funds for the for the program or 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 whatever and then there's obviously on the other end of that spectrum there are full medical clinical programs. I'm excited to be here today with our medical director, Dr. Leland Bird, also the founder of Bird Addiction Medicine located in Roswell. And uh, he has just been an invaluable member of our team, uh, training our nurse practitioners, making sure that they are uh, ready to be able to serve our clients. And he has a remarkable story, Dr. Bird, if you would share with us.
1: (laughs) Glad to be here, Trey. Thanks thanks so much for uh, I'm a complete virgin to a podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one I've ever done, and uh not the most technologically savvy person that there is, but I've done a lot of radio before, so uh this should be this should be a cinch yep. but what brought me to good landing it's a it's a, a quite amazing story, really. I became interested in addiction medicine a few years ago and Just telling it up front, Uh, I'm in recovery myself. I was a practicing surgeon uh, for more than 25 years up in North Carolina where I was sober, Uh, but some uh, set of circumstances medically happened to me that I was no longer able to operate. Uh, I had a a brain hemorrhage uh, back in 2001, They didn't think I was going to live at that point, and I spent the better part of a month in the neurosurgical ICU up in Asheville, North Carolina. And when I got out of there, there, my prognosis certainly wasn't very good. There was about a ninety percent chance that I wasn't going to live for a month. But uh, I surprised everybody, including myself, and was able to. I had to learn how to walk again. Had to learn how to talk again. Uh, but miraculous recovery that happened there in 2001. And uh, when I went back to see the the neurosurgeon um, about a month after I'd got out of the hospital, I said, what's my prognosis? He said, I, I really don't know, Leland. He said, I've never had anybody that's lived uh, with a bleed the way you had had one. And so he said, "We'll see you again in a few months, and if you're doing okay, we'll make your prognosis better." So I saw him at six months, and then saw him again at a year. And at that point, nobody knows. So I, I guess I'm on borrowed time now. That's <laughs> it's been that many years since then. So that was I could I, I was left with some deficits that were there. I couldn't see well enough to operate. Uh, I could my balance was off. I went back to rehabilitation in a sense of physical rehabilitation uh, and started swimming and and, and really just a, a prolonged path of recovery from a physical standpoint. I really missed surgery and missed practicing because uh, my practice was very, very busy up there in North Carolina. And When I wasn't able to practice medicine anymore, I started drinking. And I mean, I'm not talking, it started out like, most of the patients now that I take care of started as, a, as, you know, a few drinks at night and rather quickly escalated to the point that it was completely out of bounds, out of control. And, and uh, over uh, the course of several years, really between uh, 2005 and, and really 2014, it just escalated to the point that it was out of control. I ended up going into rehab uh, at several different places. I was in rehab in, in Georgia. I was in rehab in South Carolina. I was in rehab in North Carolina, and no program really worked for me because I'd come right back out, and I, I I wasn't convinced at that point. You know, being a surgeon, I wanted something that you could that I could do an MRI scan on or a CT scan and identify it as a disease. Give me a blood test to show you what i got, and I can treat it. But tell somebody that I've got alcohol use disorder, and I say, well, prove it to me, you know. And uh, over the course of several different treatments, I came convinced <laughs> that it is indeed a disease, and it's a disease that I needed to learn about. It's a disease that is not taught in medical school. When you take the number of lectures, and I just came out of one of the best training hospitals in the country which is down at the University of Florida at Shands and they're on the real innovative edge of addiction and recovery and some of the professors that I had down there at the University of Florida uh, the med students with which I taught at at the University of Florida these were the first courses that they'd ever had on addiction medicine or how do we take care of it how do we recognize it as a disease in most medical schools, the amount of treatment or the amount of training that goes into addiction medicine uh, is a month or so at best. And so I became very, very interested in it as a consequence of my own disease once I recognized it as a disease, and I'll spend the rest of my life studying and treating it. And uh, so the awareness and recognition of the pathology, the biotech, the biology behind it. uh, I'm continuing to learn. And my best education has come like it did this morning, from listening to the patients that I take care of, from hearing their conversation and what comes back to me about uh, what they're going through, but what stage of recovery that they're in, the feedback from the medicines that they're taking, the groups that they're in, the spirituality of their recovery that's there it really attracted me to come to good landing because the spiritual aspect of recovery that has been so instrumental in my own story that's there i had to give a talk at one of the recovery centers that i was at and there were about there were about 50 doctors that were in the audience that uh, that were in the same recovery that that i was in and i'm talking about addiction at that point and i said all right, there are fifty doctors sitting out there. Raise your hands. How many of you can tell me of a treatment or a disease that we call on anything spiritual to be the remedy or the treatment thereof? And out of those docs that were in the room, maybe two hands went up, and they were talking about somebody that has cancer that's at the terminal stages. They may call in a priest or so to talk to him, but. There is not a disease that I'm aware of that has a success rate that, uh, in terms of recovery, that we have in now twelve-step programs or a spiritual aspect to recovery, has the best success rate that's there. Why is it the best? It uh, it applies a spiritual aspect to it, and indeed, that's what has helped keep me sober. Uh, but Good Landing was unique in that they were. Unapologetic about the spiritual aspect to it. It approached it as a Christian-based spiritual program. And you don't see that as being that as being a predominant force behind a lot of the recovery programs that are out there. And that's not to say that other programs aren't Christian-based, they are. But most of them will not come, you know, face to face with it and say, yeah, this is a Christian program. I was attracted to that, Uh, what has helped me to stay sober. I am a Christian, and the spiritual, spiritual program that I have, that I recover under, or my spiritual aspect that's greater than myself is through my walk with Christ. I wanted to share that. I wanted to be a part of it. This is in a day where most recovery centers that are out there now are in the age of COVID and all that are there. Their census is going down. I look at Good Landing, and it's the only program I know of where the census is accumulating. They're having more and more, and when you look at a program over the last five years, I think with what uh, Trey and Charlie and, and their staff have been able to do here, it's exciting. It's something that I wanted to hook my wagon to and be a part of because I think the motive and the incentive behind the aspect, the spiritual aspect is, is really amazing as to what's really going on here and to see patients from all walks of life that come in here. Uh, you could be a CEO executive somewhere and you can turn around and see somebody that, that's living on the side of the road. Uh, and they both have the same kind of environment here of recovery uh, to help them to acquire sobriety. And that's exciting.
0: That's awesome. So you are wrapped up in one person I think of all of the elements that just make somebody amazing that you were a professional athlete a surgeon and you uh you're also a uh, a hunter which uh which which, which speaks to me <laughs> so to t- a little bit you know about my background yeah
1: wow well I did I grew up right up the road here in Gainesville Georgia I'm a red elephant uh there at, at Gainesville High School and played Played sports all through high school. Was drafted by the Atlanta Braves out of high school when I was 17 years old, and this was in 1973. So we're thinking way back. This was the era when Hank Aaron was fixing to break Babe Ruth's home run record, and I remember going to spring training that year. And as a young kid, 17 years old, and there's Hank at the at the end of his career, but I'm in the lineup uh, with uh, uh, batting. There with Hank Aaron being uh, in spring. This, of course, is spring training. I didn't break camp with the big league club, but as a kid, I remember being in the lineup and looking in awe at my hero that was there, and Hank Aaron. So that was my. You know, I, I left Gainesville High and went to went to spring training with the Braves. And 1973 to 1980, I rode buses all over the country. I played in the minor leagues from here to California, and uh, and. Played on some really great teams, had a great experience. It was there. Part of the bonus that I signed with the Braves out of high school was that they would pay for my college wherever I wanted to go. And so every offseason, when it ended in August, early September, I'd go to I'd go to school. Went to I went to Georgia Southern, which at the time was probably one of the top baseball programs in the country. It was wow. down there. Uh, the guy coaching was a guy named named Ron Polk, who's the winningest collegiate baseball coach of all time. Wow,
0: the coach at Mississippi State.
1: Exactly. Wow. He was. He was at Georgia Southern first and okay. uh, before he went to Mississippi State. And he had recruited me in high school. That's incredible. And so – uh, and he's the reason that really, well, that and the good looking girls were at Georgia Southern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember going and riding around Sweetheart Circle. And I said, man, sign me up. You know, it's got baseball and women. I'm going here. <laughs> right. So I went there, you know, and so my life was centered, uh, during those years, uh, around off season would be education and, and, uh, Uh, I was serious about it. I always wanted to, I was good in math and science. And I tell people, uh, (laughs) you know, why'd you get out of baseball? And there's so much truth in this, that my grade point average was a heck of a lot higher than my batting average. (laughs) So I ended up, uh, I went to veterinary school first uh, out of, out of once I graduated from college and, and started in veterinary school and then dropped out of veterinary school to go to med school because wow. I liked surgery and uh, and really went from the veterinary school in Georgia Georgia's in Athens over at the uni- university. The med school is in Augusta, so I went from Athens down to Augusta and then stayed there and, and stayed in med school uh, down in Augusta, Georgia, for really from... 1983 until 1991, I was there in training, and really, as I said, I loved surgery. You know I was good with my hands, um, being an infielder and all in baseball. So, and I'd done surgery when I was in working as a veterinary assistant. Um, and so, when I started there, a guy that was. A guy named Art Humphreys is one of the pioneers of, re, of kidney transplant surgery in the United States. He, uh, he took an interest in me because they had a, at that time in the research and education building at, in Augusta, we had a veterinary school or a veterinary uh, research center in the basement or in the bottom floor of the r and building. And we used to operate on pigs and goats and all this, and we were doing research uh, and Dr. Humphreys was involved in a lot of the research that was ongoing there, so I got to know him uh, through the R and E building, and so he sort of took me under his wing as a as a up and coming young surgeon, and uh, I started operating with him doing kidney transplants, and so really we'd go, good gracious, we were we were doing living related transplants every Wednesday. And then from there we went on, we were doing so I was involved in kidney transplantation there from 1986 until 1991 to where we did those and loved it. Mm. Interesting thing about that, I think I shared with Trey, the, the, what when you would operate on somebody that, that we would put a kidney, a living related transplant that was there with somebody, um, and you would so you would take the kidney out of the donor and you would sew it into the recipient that has, has the kidney failure, you would actually, on the operating table, watch that kidney start to work. It pinks up once you sew in the artery and the vein, and it literally starts manufacturing urine right before your eyes. And these are patients that have been on hemodialysis where their blood is filtered three times a week. Generally, it takes four hours each time. They completely filter their blood volume, so their quality of life, is is horrible you know they're, they're they're they can't travel they're linked to that hemodialysis machine you transplant them and put a new kidney in their quality of life changes right before your eyes and they're feeling better before they even leave the hospital and it, it, it's amazing to see that recovery that's what you see with the recovery in addiction and that's the closest thing medically that i've seen you can see the waking up of a kidney that's there to start to work Well you see somebody that's in recovery from uh, addiction, as I was, uh, and, and you see their life being transformed. And that's what recovery, and that's the amazing thing that I see when lives that are changed from the addiction that are there that are absolutely catastrophic, when we see what's going on with the addict that's out there, albeit alcohol opiates benzos whatever it's there their quality of life is to the point that it that, that it's just horrible and when they get in recovery and can see and and capture you it's an award it's a it's a great thing to see i love to think that's what this place is about at good landing and we see that i mean we got i, I don't know what our census is now trey we got a 100, 105 or so mm-hmm. patients yeah. that are here I gave a talk this morning, and you can see some of that recovery beginning to start. You can see it when uh, patients' lives are being transformed, and and that's uh, that's exciting to see. It's what I I love about this this area of medicine.
0: And a remarkable comparison to to think about that. I want to circle back to the intro, and you know w- w- what it means when somebody says you know substance abuse treatment. You know they're talking about a drug rehab and and how vast, you know all of the different approaches that there are, you know from just a sober living program where there is, you know really zero treatment to, you know, work camps and things like that to a clinical medical approach to it and really you know because you know i I think about some of our listeners right now that we have people that are on the front end of addiction we have parents who are listening um who have you know sent their kid over to college or wherever and you know they thought little johnny was was over at uga doing remarkable you know only to find out that little johnny is addicted to cocaine and alcohol or whatever it might be and didn't go to class at all and they've got a shot you know to to be able to save their their loved one's life and you know, and again, I mean, I know that we could get into tough love and some of those intervention types of approaches and how important all of that is. But, you know, really, you know, when they're when they're looking for a program and I'm not trying to do a commercial for Good Landing or anything like that here, but I but I really do, especially, you know, with people that, you know, the, the, the stigma of mental health, the stigma of addiction, you know, and really making sure that 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 medical component you know, is in place at a high level, can you just, you know, and I'll just let you take it wherever you want to, but just can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Sure. In, in terms of an evaluation
1: for somebody, I get phone calls every day from colleagues and friends and parents that that really have no concept of how severe the problem is, or they want to know how bad is this problem that my son is having, or that my husband is having, or my wife, or whatever. And they're wanting for they're looking for an answer, there are basic parameters that we go by to to evaluate how severe the problem is. Now particularly if there are patients that uh, uh, have have started using, and I, I just use myself as, as an example here, uh, it, it started out to where you know a few drinks at night and the next thing you know it's escalated and we talk about tolerance that develops that's there it takes more and more to get you, To get you drunk or to the substance of choice that someone is using it tends to escalate that's the natural history of things that are there so whether the kid whether the person is 15 years old 14 years old whatever but the beginnings or the entrance of any kind of substance use issue that has exacerbated itself over months or years to the point that things have become out of control to where they can't control the amount or the quantity, or their life is preoccupied uh, to acquiring their substance. Most of the time, when or all the time, when when alcohol or any substance is out of control, they'll spend a the large portion of their life uh, looking to obtaining or trying to uh, acquire their drug of choice, to where. Um, that is the focal point or the center point. Or they won't want to go a weekend without not having it available, and it becomes a daily daily use. Relationships that fall apart, the physical health that deteriorates. So when someone is asking me, when I get that phone call, it's a complex evaluation that's there that I think uh, we hear at Good Landing or I like to see a policy that's in place where we can do those evaluations. We can see the degree of severity with which it's impacted the family, uh, the individual patient that's there, and tailor a recovery program that is gonna make, if detox is, is necessary for those, we can get them in the right environment that we can send them to a place to get detoxed until they're stable enough that they can come into the good landing, milieu, housing, and all that we have here. But we can evaluate that. And there, when they call Good Landing and you look at our website, uh, there are resources that, uh, that can answer the questions that families and patients are having uh, in terms of, of, is this a fit for me? Is this some place that I can come? Because when it reaches a point there that families are reaching out, they're wanting help. They're wanting answers. They're wanting to know that somebody cares about them, that can put them into an environment of recovery. And I, I hope as a medical director here that we, that we certainly, as, at least in my evaluation of this place, that's what I see. I mean, uh, you see it on the faces of the people that have come in here, that somebody cares about them. And somebody is here that will that, uh, that'll, that'll help into tailoring a recovery program that will help them in the months, in the lifetime of recovery that we have when we share a disease The people that I talked with this morning, I've got the same disease of addiction that those 50 people that I was talking to out there. And I think once they recognize that it indeed is a disease that I've got, it's treatable. It's certainly it's not something that I have a magic pill or a magic cure for, but it's something that the quality of life can improve and can wake up just like that kidney does once they acquire recovery or once they acquire that mindset that there is a path of sobriety, uh, that it's it's an amazing thing. So to answer your question, medically, what do we do? We evaluate those people and put them on a recovery path that's tailored to that individual that incorporates a biological, a psychological, a social environment that is such that it'll lead to recovery. The biopsychosocial model that we talk about. And amidst that, Incorporated in that is the spiritual aspect to recovery that I think is just such an integral part of anybody that's that's gonna that's gonna take care of the disease that we share.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I remember um, a, a client from you know probably I don't know a year ago, probably, actually probably a year and a half ago now, and, and I remember when he came in that. That I really did not know if if we were the place for him. Just for a lack of you know better terms, that I just thought that he was just just really too far gone and, and maybe needed to, to, to be somewhere else. And when I saw the the, the medical side step up, treat him. And and the the miracle that I that I saw. I mean, I, I just literally had never seen that type of transformation. You know, at the time the the, the psychiatrist was involved, and then the spiritual piece and everything. And then to to understand where you know so many programs would not even be equipped to you know to even touch that. You know, they just would have immediately re, you know referred out. And then to see them get in front of somebody that you know that that, that understands the science and and knows how to you know, to to apply the solution to be able to see that type of change. And then somebody that I'm thinking, hey, they're not even a candidate here, you know, and then six months later he's on staff and I would have given him my truck and, you know, trusted him to go to go to California because the the, the miracle had happened. And it's just it's remarkable. And I wanted just just to, to to really speak to that because I know how many parents that would listen to this and and, and they're thinking, okay, I, you know, I may literally just have you know, one shot. And I want to make sure that I've got that, that, you know, that I put them in a program and that you're considering all of these things. Cause when you don't know, and you're, you know, you're trying to Google answers, not something that you're, that you're taught, you know, of, about, you know, if this should happen, here are some of the things that you need to be able to look for. And so easily that, you know, you may find, a. Uh, you know, a program that has a cool website and a palm tree on their logo or something like that, only to find out that, you know, that you put them in somewhere, you know, where they're not cared for, you know, or you don't have all of the pieces that are, you know, that are necessary to, to really treat the entire person. So, um, anyway, I'm just glad that you took the time to to speak to that.
1: Uh, well, as I said, it's exciting about being, it's, it's exciting to see the miracles that occur with recovery. And, that's not to say that everybody that that sets foot in the door, the places that I've been, is uh, going to stay recovered. But statistically, what we like to see out there is down the road that we've done some good while they're in treatment. It's exciting to me to look and see people that when I look at, back at the charts, we have a chart system here, and I look back and I'm seeing patients that, uh, for example, I saw one today that came in right after Christmas, and I'm looking and reading reading the story about how he's doing and the progress that this kid, that this guy has made since the day after Christmas, it's remarkable. To see that transition and to hear him talk about what his goals are. Now, he's a guy from right around here in Sandy Springs. That uh, His dad's an optometrist, and he's talking about what he's going to do, but he's going to stay here in the sober-living milieu here, uh, for the next several months and how he is stabilized from somebody that was spiraling down. He was very close to to being a statistic. Yeah. Uh, and, and now he's in recovery. He's living a life that is going to help somebody else to stay sober. He's excited about staying here and what he can do in the way of support of somebody else that shares the disease that he's got. And I think that's one of the strengths that, that I've recognized here is that People in recovery are enthused about staying here and helping somebody else. It, it 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 helps me to stay sober doing what I'm doing right now, and I think that's the discovery that a lot of people have that are here. And I think that Trey has experienced, you yourself have experienced that it's uh that's a that's an amazing thing to see the
0: miracles in action. Yeah, yeah, I know. We were just talking about that the other day. To um, you know, really have this, this frontline ministry outlet that, you know, then you just know the work that you're doing day in and day out, that it really does matter. And, um, you know, and always growing to be able to serve, you know, our population, the, the best that we can, you know, and figure out how to reach more people. So just to, you know, hear you say those things is very encouraging to me. Um, well, it, it
1: I have to brag on, 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 some of what i have seen and experienced here i've been in as i said i've been in reco- or been in places in south carolina georgia north carolina and florida and seen recovery programs from some of the considered some of the best in the country and i have yet to see a person such as yourself that is here at nine o'clock at night or you can turn i can turn on my my social media there and see you doing something in the way of helping somebody with their sobriety, their spiritual approach, that you don't get that. I'm telling you, you don't get that at other places. And that's what has drawn me uh, to Good Landing. And we had uh, 10 doctors that were down there at the University of Florida that were there. But uh, we didn't have somebody that had as much hands-on with the people that are there. You showed me. We look at the board that's up there, and the owner of this place will tell me, the story of somebody that's here one of those hundred patients that's in recovery you can you can that's that's impressive that you know that and uh, that's a part of good landing that's here that i think it's exciting and seeing the transformation that are there and i think uh, everybody that's here senses that it's almost palpable it's there that the that the door is open to people that are that are willing to do whatever it takes to help somebody with uh, to beat this terrible disease of addiction.
0: Yeah. That's it. And I feel like that's that's your same DNA as well, too, just the way that you, you know, engage your patients and, and talk with them, level the playing field, nothing pretentious. I mean that that's what just was so I remember Charlie whenever he was telling me a little bit about you and you know, just immediately, you know, best friends, and, and and just how willing that you are to, you know, pour in to invest in these people. So, um, it, it it really is is amazing. You know, as as we pray and ask God to to bring the right people who you know are going to, um, you know, leave the most impact. So, uh, this has been an incredible. Uh, episode, just having a, a chance to sit down with you. I always love this time. Do you, um, any any final thoughts that you've got or anything else that you want to share? We uh, can do a sequel for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, how I ended up here, I, I was
1: actually calling once I was setting up my private practice here in Roswell, and I called a colleague of mine that was at another, at another facility to, to try to get through to uh, one of the persons in, in addiction medicine here in Atlanta. That's one of the top people around. And, uh, so I'm on the line waiting to hear this guy's name's Dr. Beatty, who's, uh, addiction medicine doctor that takes care of NFL football players. And, uh, Anyhow, I'm on the line, and who in the world comes on the other end of the phone? is Charlie. (laughs) And I'm thinking I'm going to talk with Dr. Beatty, and it was not Dr. Beatty. It was Charlie. And I said, well, how did I get you? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, "Uh, I I work at Good Landing. I said, what's Good Landing? And he said, well, we're looking for a medical director out here. He said, you're in addiction medicine? And I said, yeah, I am, and he said, "Well, tell me about yourself." So this was a. If you want to say it's a God thing, I have no. My my fiance's uh, father is one of the more spiritual persons that I know of, and once I told him this story, or once he heard about it, he he got very curious about Good Landing and said, "This is a God thing." Wow. So <laughs> it is it was a, a unusual way I did not seek out good landing Charlie ended up on the phone and I ended up out here being interviewed by one of your staff members there that I, I, I have enormous respect for as well
0: that is definitely a God story <laughs> how incredible well I thoroughly enjoyed today um, I know the listeners will as well. How about we do it again soon? Let's do it. Okay. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call It's 770-570-7422.